0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. A week ago, after a wedding down at Holy Rosary, and making my way over to the first part of the reception, Verizon Center was along my path, and when I got to the street corner and waited at the red light to be able to cross, I was accosted by one of the notorious anti-Catholic street evangelists that are always... In public before home games of the Capitals and the Nationals. They're also on the street outside of papal masses or even funeral masses of friends of ours. And it was a beautiful opportunity to finally get a word in edgewise. Needless to say, I told him I wasn't interested in the pamphlet he had to uh, offer me, but I was interested in talking to him. Among the curiosities is his there insistence that the church teaches that mortal sins don't deprive someone of heaven. And there was no amount of insisting that obviously that's what Scripture teaches, which is why we believe it, and that's what the Catechism teaches, and that's what we teach. His, His objection was somewhat properly founded, because even if the Bible teaches that, even if the catechism teaches that, even if some priests preach that, that's not what the average Catholic believes. And that's a problem. It's quite popular, not as a topic of conversation, but as a cause for other nonsense that people might say, be they people um, among the baptized faithful, or among the ordained clergy. People won't frequently use the phrase universal salvation, which is the notion that everyone goes to heaven, or practically everyone goes to heaven, because practically it's impossible to commit a mortal sin, and the only people who would ever go to hell would be people who are you know, cruel to stray dogs. If that were the case, if universal salvation were true, well, then St. Paul and Barnabas would be wasting their words and their sufferings. The Acts of the Apostles told us today, they strengthened the spirits of the disciples and exhorted them to persevere in the faith, saying, it is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Well, if everyone goes to the kingdom of God, then it wouldn't be necessary to undergo many hardships. It's easy to get carried away with some phrases that sound overly optimistic when we read in sacred scripture, as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. God will be all in all. Well, it's true, everyone is redeemed Everyone benefits from the blood of the cross by virtue of experiencing redemption, but that makes possible salvation. That doesn't guarantee salvation. Indeed, our Lord says Himself, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Last week, Father Thomas Petrie of the Order of Preachers, the Dean of the Dominican House of Studies Pontifical Faculty of the Immaculate Conception, spoke here and reminded us that our starting point needs to be that we are already condemned. That needs to be our starting point for understanding how Christ and the church interact with our personal history. St. Paul in his letter to the Thessalonians, those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Christ came to rescue us, to rescue us because we were already separated from God. When we think of, of damnation as a punishment for something that you did personally, we f- fail to reckon with the, the simple reality that many people experience, which is the misery of simply being separated from God. When that becomes eternal, we call it damnation. When it's still temporary, or when it's the circumstance of the beginning of our life, We just simply call it the Valley of Tears, right? St. Peter, just like St. Paul, tries to confirm the brethren, tries to inspire the decisions that lead to perseverance. His second letter, first chapter, therefore, brethren, be the more zealous to confirm your call and election, for if you do this, you will never fail. So there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Saint Paul and Saint Peter want us to do more than simply receive grace, receive baptism, and believe. He, they want us to make sure that we never relinquish that grace. And we'll never never relinquish the inheritance that's ours through Christ. Every Christian knows that when somebody dies, we pray for them. We pray for everybody. There's no one for whom we would refuse to pray after their death, for whom we would say it's a waste of time. The more impossible their salvation seems, the more we pray for them. We know that somehow God may be able to elicit a conversion and repentance from that person, even a way that we would never have been able to witness while they were breathing. Maybe at that last moment. We never know. We always hope. There's none of our loved ones who have passed away, seemingly separated from God, do we ever quit praying for. That conviction that confidence in the possibility of receiving God's mercy doesn't need to translate into the mistaken notion that, well, then everyone goes to heaven. Ironically, by virtue of trying to turn God into a nice guy, we would have turned God into a bully, threatening us with something that ended up not existing. In the Gospel of St. Luke, someone asked Jesus, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. In fact, this doesn't, this mistaken notion of universal salvation doesn't just turn God into a bully, it turns Jesus into a liar. In the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Whoever disowns me before men, I will disown before my Father in heaven. So, the reality of mortal sin, St. Paul goes into this in many different passages of the New Testament, the reality of hell obviously isn't the good news. What is the good news? The good news is that those even who are on the road to hell, who have lost the state of grace, not necessarily by virtue of a pattern of mortal sins, but even by just one deliberate mortal sin, can be rescued. Father Petrie also reminded us last week that God's grace always takes the initiative Even at the very beginning of our creation, being imbued with a desire for God is His gift to us. Being given the assistance so that we can respond to God's grace is His gift to us. The sinner who's lost his way, who's inspired to to come back, is being prompted by God. All of that comes from God's initiative. And the ability to carry through with it is God's gift to us. We speak sometimes about God giving us sufficient grace. It it might lead some people to think that everyone's been given a battery and the battery is just barely enough for you to live your life well. Instead of realizing that God is interacting, He's prompting, He's interrupting your sin sometimes. He's whispering into your ear, trying to distract you, and giving you the grace to be able to respond to that. God does make it possible for all of us to repent, to convert, and to live. When people tell us, just be nice, just be kind, because everyone's going to go to heaven anyway, we need to be cautious. Most people don't talk about universal salvation, but we read between the lines and we can tell when it's at work. They minimize the importance of the sacraments. They minimize the necessity of the church. They minimize the importance of really following through on your repentance. They hardly ever mention having a firm purpose of amendment in order to have a valid confession. We know better. We know that sin and hell are real, but we also know that grace and heaven are even more real. The only thing that's worth being called life and living is being in the state of grace and already experiencing the life of heaven. That's the good news. And maybe if enough Catholics hear it and actually believe it, then maybe that... Naysayer outside of capitals and nationals games will be cheering not only for them but also for us in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen